This is our next in a series of uh, Crossing the Line series from our zone into the God zone. Um, it's a series of, of sessions, got a couple more left uh, this week next and maybe one more after that. Um, so this week, um, a little bit of a quick one, put together quickly for you, and this is the ability to grow. Today we're looking at the ability to grow. Who likes to grow? Wow. Who likes to be static and shrink? Okay. So we're into the ability to grow. <laughs> uh, the ability to want growth is this week. This is, an, uh, this is about us overcoming our fear and multiplying in depth, multiplying in number, uh, being one body but many parts. So, and growing in our unity. It's the growing thing, the new thing. That's what we're looking at today. Um, so let's have a little look at this first scripture in Luke chapter 2. Look, no, it doesn't. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. Once having been asked by the Pharisees, that's all the dead religious people that wear funny clothes, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is is within you. I want you to all want to that because that's really important through everything I'm going to say this morning. Jesus' central theme again and again and again is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God within you. And I want you to see today that, the, that his kingdom, his kingdom within you is all about growth, is all about multiplying, increasing. And that is a massive challenge I want to tell you why that's a massive challenge, and it's exemplified in this little character here. Does anybody know who this is? It's Special Ted. Somebody down here knew. Who does Special Ted belong to? He's my Special Ted. In fairness, when my, my ancient sister was born, this was given to my mum for her by a work colleague back in, I don't know, probably the 1950s or 60s, or just a real long time ago, in the olden days. Um, this was given to my sister, and then when I came along, it was given to me. And then when my sister was a little bit older and realised it had been given to me, she took it off me and gave it to my little brother. Um, originally, it was like a goldeny colour and furry, and had ears, but his ears have gone, his fur's gone. My mum dyed him a kind of magnolia colour in the washing machine. If you knew, anybody that remembers my mum, some of you won't know, but my mum made everything magnolia. Everything in my mother's life was magnolia. Heaven is now, and she's with the Lord now, heaven is now increasingly magnolia. Um, this is special Ted, and we were clearing the house out. My mum's gone now, she's gone for the Lord, and I, that's, that's a strange time. But um, we found special Ted. Julie gets really iffy about it when I sat him in between us on the sofa the other night. She kind of felt that was inappropriate. But it's special Ted. I'm trying to get her to learn to love him. I'm going to put special Ted behind bars. We need to grow up. We can't stay there. As much as I love Special Ted, my life cannot revolve around Special Ted. When I was tiny, if Special Ted went missing, the sky had fallen. It was all over, but I can't stay in that place. 
we have to grow up. If we don't grow up, we have serious, serious issues. Now, the thing is, women of the church, I'm going to have to say this, fellas are really bad at this. We just love to be kids. We never, we just get bigger. And like this guy in his crib here, this is everybody's, this is every bloke's idea of, of like how life should be. I should just lay there, be fed, sorted out, everything done for me, and I'll just have a good time. And it's like, it's just like we, guys, we need to grow up. We need not to be fed. <laughs> Some of you are sat there saying, how did he get a photograph of my husband? <laughs> we, we, we can't stay small all our lives. We can't stay there. If we try to stay small and young, if we try to stay as babies, then something begins to go wrong. It doesn't work. We have to move on. And sometimes, fellas, we've really got to move on and understand that we've got partners now. Don't you dare yawn at me. I, fellas, anybody yawn? He goes, oh, I've heard it before. My PlayStation is more important than anything. No, it's not. The person you're with is more important. Grow up, it's a game. Although when I did see on the news the other day that you can... You can... Oh, listen to the men that want to wear bibs and live in cribs, all shouting out, getting very grumpy at me now. All of their wives are going, preach it, brother, except when it gets him out of my way so I can watch something worthwhile on telly. We need to grow and accept change. The Bible literally says of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That, that verse has always caught me. For eternity, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And when his kingdom is within me, then growth is unlimited in him. So don't think that where you are, this is it, you've got it now. Or I can never have more. I wish I could have more, but can't. You can increase and grow. That is the nature of God's heart for you. The Bible literally says it. Jesus pretty much taught the kingdom of God in parable stories so we could get hold of it, how, how big and enormous it was. These growth stories are so huge, it's hard for us in, to some extent to take hold of and to grasp. But there are three things to consider when we consider the kingdom of God. Number one, the kingdom of God and the preaching of the good news can seem distant but it's immediate and up close because it's within us. We're talking about something that is us, something placed within us. And when we are passionate about what is within us, what makes us who we are, you know, when people have a hobby or an interest or a passion, it bubbles out and it's infectious. So people can talk to you about their passion. And you may not even know or understand the subject, but you pick up on their passion and the truth and depth of it. Church, the kingdom of God is within us. So when we talk it, even if people don't get it or understand it or believe it, they can see and feel and know the passion. The second thing, the kingdom of God is the most valuable thing that anyone could choose to possess. And it's free. Brackets costs everything. It's free. The third thing, everyone is welcome to share in the kingdom of God. Because it's not exclusive, it is inclusive and draws people in. We okay with those things? So they're the kind of three shapes I'm going to look at and open up just very briefly this morning. Remember, the kingdom of God is within you. So number one, the kingdom of God and the preaching of the good news. Jesus likens the kingdom to a mustard seed. He likens it to a mustard seed in Matthew chapter 13 and to yeast in Matthew 13 again a little bit further on. Both of these things are really small and can seem almost invisible. 
And sometimes we think this kingdom thing in me must be so small, it's virtually invisible. How can anybody see what I am and who I am in God? Let's have a little look at those verses. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. That is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of all garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them, still another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. You know what happens then, don't you? The dough rises. I love, I love making bread. And I love that, the smell and the aroma in the house and this kind of doughy lump. And you go back an hour later and it's four, five, six times the size. And you squish it down and it comes back again. I just, it's just, and I'm, I've just put a spoon of this stuff in and played and mixed and sorted, and it's remarkable. Don't despise the small thing within you. Don't despise the little thing placed within you, how it can grow and the impact it can have. Um, Within us, something is taking root, almost imperceptible. And maybe this morning you're a new Christian or you're, you're reconnecting with your Christian walk and with your life, and maybe it feels like your knowledge and your awareness is small within you. But know this, something big is growing. Something is taking root that can transform everything. Jesus is taking this massive heaven concept and he's putting it right down into our real life terms, into this heart, into this life that you are. He chooses baking and gardening to help us understand how God grows. Consider the yeast. In a right combination with flour, water, sugar, salt, the results of yeast in baking are amazing. Take you and the kingdom of God within you in the right circumstances where there's fellowship and gathering and meeting and worship of God and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, something remarkable can happen within you as you grow and transform. That is who we are. It may feel minuscule inside us, but God's not done yet. God has not done yet. Give us the right atmosphere and there will be growth. Give this church the right atmosphere, there will be growth. Give you the right atmosphere, there will be growth. Think about that seed, the power to con- that's contained in one tiny seed, and its ability to grow into a huge tree. It's imperceptible when you first see it. It even appears to die when you put it in the ground. But look what can grow. Though we can't perceive it, God does something that grows his kingdom every time we share the good news of Jesus Christ. We plant seeds. We say something, we declare something that is growing. I'd like to read you this story to demonstrate that, um, just to help you a little bit. Um, I've kind of called it baby jail. It's not quite accurate, but it'll give you the idea. Um, That's got nothing to do with children in our church. I've just put baby jail on here. I promise you, that is purely coincidental. So I'm just going to read this story out. It's something I came across because if you speak regularly, if you hear a good story, you kind of keep it, you save it because you think, hmm. Uh, I, I annoy Julie because two things I do when I'm with Julie, I drive around seeing buildings and saying, that will make a great church building. And the other thing I do is, ooh, good sermon example, and borrow pieces of people's lives. So years ago, I'm reading this, a sociology class from John Hopkins University Uh, made a study of children in a deprived, crime-ridden neighborhood of Baltimore, Maryland, in the USA. They identified 200 children who appeared doomed to spend years in prison. After 25 years, another study was made to discover what had happened to those particular children. 
Surprisingly, only two had been imprisoned. As these men and women were interviewed over and over again, came the name of one teacher known as Mrs. Hannah. The children could have been broken by life, but for the intervention of Mrs. Hannah, a junior school teacher and a Christian who had shown them and shared with them the love of Christ. The expectation, when I looked into that, of that neighborhood, the expectations, if you take 200 children, dozens of them would be dead by the time they were 25. You can imagine the kind of neighborhood you've seen on TV and documentaries and films in, in, in the city of America, the really dark places, difficult places, the challenging places where lives are being broken by the system. But when Christ's love was shared there, in a small way as junior children, wow, what a transformation. Church, it may seem small and imperceptible, our role as individuals may seem small and imperceptible, but when we plant the good news of Jesus Christ, it can bring eternal transformation. Yeah. When we understand that we carry the kingdom of God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, something grows. Um, it's a story of the influence of the kingdom of God that cannot be measured, cannot be predicted. It certainly can't be stopped because it's growth. In context, Jesus was speaking and telling this story of that I read originally about the kingdom of God. He was talking to disciples, and these disciples were learning people. They were, they were being disciplined into knowledge, into awareness, into conduct, into way of life before God, because they were being preparation to grow and become apostles, to carry something more, to teach others. That's a remarkable thing. So this whole story is set in a context of growth. Jesus wanted them to know that though they might not perceive all the extent of the good news they carried, by preaching that good news, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is in our hands, in our hearts, in our lives. And that's a powerful thing. We need never be ashamed of the good news that we carry. We need never be ashamed of what God has deposited within us. It's, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He writes, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So church, you may feel like you don't know much yet. And that the deposit within you, this kingdom of God within you, this knowledge, this truth that we carry, that we are, may seem small and imperceptible. But never be ashamed of the truth of it. Because it brought you to salvation for eternity. And you are living it and breathing it in, in the simplest way, in the simplest form, can begin to transform the lives of those around you. Can bring good news and can place, be part of placing that deposit of good news, salvation, in another. So every time we share the good news with someone, we need to know that it's about growing. We are growing. We are growing because we've shared the good news. I personally am growing in Christ. I'm growing in the Lord. I'm growing in all this place within me. The people that you're contacting are growing in their awareness. Whether they accept it or reject it, in a sense, is not your issue. You are seeking to place that seed. And you're offering it before them. So never be ashamed. Uh, we may plant or water, but it's God that grows fruit. It's God that does this. Uh, the other thing is, the second thing is, is that there's a kind of X marks the spot. Um, that the kingdom of God is the most valuable thing that anyone could choose to possess and it's free and yet costs us everything it's free at the point of receipt and then you just invest everything you are for eternity into it 
we receive that salvation, we receive that deposit, we become part of kingdom. It's placed within us, and it's a free gift. And then from that moment on, it just consumes us, and it is his. So the second thought I want to say is the kingdom of God is the most valuable thing that anyone could choose to possess, and it's free, it costs everything, and it says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure, hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Here's the deal. When we find Christ, we find that good news kingdom story, the truth of that, everything else we possess, it's worth setting aside because nothing will compare to the kingdom of God, salvation, relationship with Christ. Nothing. And that means there's all this good stuff. Who's had good stuff happen in their life? I mean, most of us have had some good stuff happen in our lives. The best thing you can imagine compared with finding the X marks the spot is nothing compared with finding Christ. Finding that X marks the spot, that is what it's about. Everything else is worth setting aside, which is why I say to you, the kingdom of God, the finding of Jesus Christ in placing that deposit within us, our finding our salvation, becoming Christians, is completely free and yet costs us everything. The kingdom of God is the most valuable thing we could possess because it's receiving the kingdom of God, Christ himself within us, and along with that, all that he wants to grow in us and through us. The only way to all this growth and change together, though, without falling apart, is through the Holy Spirit. You understand that, don't you? We cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. As an individual, I cannot do this Christian life. I cannot hope to contain the kingdom of God and all the places that God places within me without the Holy Spirit. We cannot, as a group of people, hope to contain and hold the kingdom of God without His Holy Spirit. And it's not the gifts, but it is the fruit of the Spirit that is paramount. Now, I know we're a charismatic church and we want to see prophetic and we want to see healing. I, you know, we want to see those things. That's what we're about. But here's the deal. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Law doesn't stand against those things because they're the character of Christ. They're the deposit that places in us that through the Holy Spirit can grow within us. Church, we need those things because without that as our character, we cannot hope to hold together. We will implode. We will fall apart as individuals, but as a body of people. Growth will mean change. Who's into change? <sighs> Lord bless you and keep you. Yeah, the thing is, I am. I love new things. I love change. And all the time I'm changing things, I'm thinking, oh, it was so good there. I just am torn in two the whole time. Growth will mean change. The only way to all that uh, change together, to retain what we call family, the only thing that we can do to retain this Hope House Church family and all that God is going to do in, in time, the only way to all that identity together is to grow more like Christ. Because as we grow more like Christ, we grow more like the us that we're meant to be. And then we can all grow together couple of challenging things to put on the slide for you. Why we need the Holy Spirit. When you become arrogant in the gift, you will stop others seeking to grow. You can have gift and yet miss the truth of Jesus' character. 
When you are fruitful in your character's growth, others will grow around you. You see, if I am fruitful and filled with the Holy Spirit and carry the character of Christ, if I'm becoming more like Jesus on a daily basis, if my life is hidden in His, if I'm becoming like Christ, then the people around me will be encouraged and stirred up and invested in, and they will grow. I will bear with them. They will be loved, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all the things that I need people to express towards me because I know me, I know what I'm like, and I need you to express those characteristics of Christ towards me. Either that or you'll punch me. And it works in reverse. You need me to be the character of Christ in your situation. Gift is wonderful. It is a gift. It is given. Something we have and something we use. But fruit and growth is who we are. That is who we are. We're becoming like Christ. That is bigger. That is more significant. I'm sorry it's less glamorous. It's just the truth. Same coin. On one side it's gifts, on the other side it's fruit. But if I'm going to flip that coin, I'm going to go for character of Christ. Because with the, the true character of Christ, the gifts will be released in a beautiful and a pure way, in a healthy way, in a good way, that is growing, that is strong, that is right. And that's who we want to be. The fruits of the Holy Spirit. Growth that brings a loss of unity happens when the character of Christ is lost, when there is the absence of his fruitfulness. I'll be that strong and that challenging. Disunity and division happens when the fruitfulness ends, when the character of Christ is squeezed out. So the third thing I want to sort of say to you is that everyone is welcome to share. I'm going through this sermon super fast. Are you impressed? Well, I, I, just, I, well, I want to get coffee. That's what it is. Um, I'm just conscious it's been a full, full morning and it's been a, uh, a lot of great things happening. Everyone is welcome to share in the kingdom of God, but some will reject it. <gasps> some will reject the kingdom of God. Yesterday, I went running with other people. Why don't I play football? Because I like being by myself. Why did I buy a motorcycle? Because I can ride it by myself. Why do I have a two-seat car? Because I let Julie share that bit with me. Because they don't make one-seat cars. Well, they do, but they only have two wheels. And at the moment, I'm pushing my luck having a two-seat car. I'm working on that one. <clears throat> the Lord is good, and my mother has moved on. Um, I'm actually, believe I know it seems ridiculous standing here doing this, but I'm actually a real introvert and loner. It's like me, myself, and I get on really well. Um, we're best friends. And... and so I chose running because I can do that alone. And I can do that alone with earphones in. And I'm one of those annoying runners. There's a big debate in the running community. When you're running, you see another running, runner running towards you. Do you wave? Do you smile? Do you say hello? Or do you blank them? I've got to tell you, I blank them. Um, <laughs> because if you smile and they don't, it's just the most embarrassing thing in the world. 
If you wave and they just ignore you, that is even more embarrassing. So basically, just blank them. And I think there's a, a whole community of runners out there just wishing somebody would smile um, and break the ice. And instead, we all run look dead miserable. Um, I ran with other people. We grew something. It was important. I ran with a guy from the Sudan uh, who was so fit he looked like he could have run from the Sudan. And when we got there, he was kind of, what are we doing now? And I'm thinking, well, I'm going home to die. Um, <laughs> and what are you going to do? We have to share it. It's for everyone. We can't just keep this thing to ourselves because we're like, you know, I like that thing and I want it to be for me. It, it is mine. It's my space. It's where I pray. It's where I do my thing. And, and yesterday, running with a group of guys, it meant that I couldn't do the praying. I couldn't do that relaxing thing. I couldn't be out and, you know, I couldn't be out and do my thing with God, do my physical thing. It was... I had to share it. Let me read you this scripture. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. It's from Matthew 22. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. This is not a vegan do. But they paid no attention and went off. One, uh, and went off. One, of his, uh, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murders and burned the city. Uh, I'm not even going to go there. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servant went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Here's the top and bottom of this. God can stand there and say, I just invite all the special lovely people into my banquet to be with me, to find salvation with me, and a whole lot of these lovely, lovely good people nice people weren't interested and rejected it so here's the deal because God is so amazing knowing that would happen he simply says servants church get out there just invite them in the good the bad I'm not going to say the ugly the good the bad the whatever is happening in life people because I want to be with them I love them they're precious to me and I want to share my banquet with them so when you're busy doing that I'm not adequate thing know this Jesus specifically said I want you in my banquet And I love the original scripture says, make them come in. <laughs> Force them to come. Mate, you've got no option. You're coming to banquet. You're going to be part of this family. You're going to be part of this celebration. When people become Christians and join, the banquet we call church doesn't automatically fit. Have you noticed this? New people come. And everything changes. It's really odd. It's really strange. The dynamic changes. They sit in the seat you normally sit in. What's that about? Some of them even come in and walk wall sit up from front row. Hold on a minute. How long have you been coming here? I've been coming here all these years. Front row's mine. You start at the back and work your way forward. Good grief. The audacity. Church. When new people come, it will not always be comfortable. But our God is good. Yeah. He's called them into the banquet. 
He's calling new people for us to connect with and to love and to build and call family. We're all on a journey, and God is so loving and patient with us all that he wants us all to grow. And we're at different places in that growth. That seed is taking root to a different extent in different people. Different people are facing different adversity. Some can grow easily and thrive and prosper. Some are battling to grow. Some are battling to see the character of Christ established in them. Some of them it just comes naturally. But here's the deal. God has brought us together. And the Lord's desire is to bring more of us together. The growth of the church is directly proportionate to the fruit of the Spirit expressed within it. The growth of the church is directly proportionate to the fruit of the Spirit expressed within it. I've just made that up. That's quite a good quote, that. Quote me. Somebody tweet it. That's quite, I quite like that. I'm not sure if I can remember it, so write it down, Neil, quickly. Might use that again. The growth of the church is directly proportionate to the fruit of the Spirit expressed within it. Okay, I've, I've played it too hard now. <laughs> but as you're being patient and loving... And expressing the fruitfulness of Christ, that's all right. Church, as we can welcome people, love with them, and bear with them, and understand that they're growing, then that allows people to connect. It allows us to send people confidently. You see, the thing is, if you are loved in this room, if you are accepted and you know you're part of this banquet of church, that gives you the confidence to step out of this building and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. If this place is a fearful, scary, hurtful place where you're not wanted, where you're rejected, how can you possibly go and share that good news outside? To do what? To say, this is my family, I call the church. What if that family you call the church is a place where you're loved and wanted and valued and precious? Then when you step outside of this building, you can talk about a relationship of love and want and preciousness and belonging, a banquet. Church, the fruit of the Spirit is the very essence of our good news. It's the character of Christ. And then on to that, it gives us all the gifts we need to walk in, in authority to, with an expression of the power of the Holy Spirit. But it comes first from fruit of the Spirit. Without the fruit of the Spirit, all the gifts in the world are just a clanging gong. Yeah. With the fruit of the Spirit, it becomes the very Word of God becomes the, the heart and power of God to touch and change lives. So when we prophesy, when we pray for healing, when we bring a word or a tongue, when we, we bring an interpretation, when we speak knowledge into people's lives, when we see that the Holy Spirit poured out, the moment we do that, when it is grown with an atmosphere of the presence and fruitfulness of Christ's character, authority comes. So I'd like to invite the band back up. Um, that, that's, that's my time but the church I believe the church wants us to grow and there's a tension within that but he wants us to grow he wants us to grow numerically and I'm going to say this I'm unashamedly the Lord wants us to grow numerically he wants us to be more he wants us to be more people but he wants us to be more people not just filling seats not just so we can say we've got X number of people, but he wants to grow his family. He wants to grow his family. I had a really brief conversation with somebody at the beginning this morning, just out the back, just as we were starting, and I was expressing my tension over this, because I like family, but I want to grow family. And yet when you put a new baby into the midst of a family, everything about the dynamic of that family transforms. For goodness sake, if you buy a puppy, the family transforms. Does it not, Mr. Barnes? 
Church, we're a people that need to see new lives. You baby Christians, transformation, growth, discipleship, and that will change the dynamic of this thing we call church. And so we need to pray. The anxiety that we have over this stuff, the change that's coming, we need to pray into it. We need to believe God for the fruitfulness of his character in our lives because that will become a powerful thing when it is honest and connected and built into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to pray. And we have much to pray for. On our board here, there are lots of prayers for individual people, situations and circumstances. This morning, Tim, Tim and Jackie have contacted and said, uh, baby Samuel is still in Jessup's. His breathing has deteriorated over the last day or so. Can we pray for them? And we can pray for them. We can pray for healing because we pray because they are part of our family that we love. Not because we're excited about the powerful healing, but we pray out of love, value, and care. So here's what we're going to do. The band are going to play. And I'm going to encourage you to be incredibly brave. Not to come forward, but to stand together and in groups of... You can't be in a group of one, can you? In groups of two, three, or four, I don't know, I know one or two people that are substantial, they can be a crowd by themselves. Ooh. In groups of two, three, or four, I can ask that you pray. Pray about situations, pray for one another, one-line prayers, or long prayers, wherever is comfortable with you. Read something from Scripture. Pray for Samuel in hospital. Pray for lots of situations that need God to step in. You will know an individual situation in your setting. But we're going to do that as the band sing over us. And then when perhaps you prayed for a minute or so, just a minute or so, so I'm talking about brief prayers, just connecting together. Because Scripture says, well, where two or three meet together in my name, there am I in their midst. So, hey, he's here already. But when we meet in twos and threes and fours, he's there in our midst. Are we okay with that? So let's, let's just relax a minute. Why don't you just stand up where you are? This is a no-pressure thing, but if you stood up, people that want to move and respond will feel more comfortable in doing that. Now, if you just want to stand where you are and sing, that is fine. But I encourage you now in twos and threes just to go to the other person. Here's, here's, what, here's what I'm saying. Here's, here's what I'm going to commit to. In truth, I believe as you pray in twos and threes like this, pray for fruitfulness, knowing there's a deposit of the kingdom of God within you, Knowing the Holy Spirit as a deposit within you, an assurance within you. Knowing that we are praying into the promises of God that are yes and amen, there will be answer to prayer. There will be change and transform situation. There may be healing. There may be uh, a relief of anxiety and a bringing of peace. And there could be all sorts of things happening in people's lives. And if you've never prayed before, if you've never done this thing, it, it's not hard. It can be as simple as, Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know that you do. Do your thing. Amen. It can be that simple. You don't have to have posh language. There's no religious language for this. There's too much religious language. We're gathered in his name. So I'm going to pray. The band are going to play. I'm going to encourage you to pray with each other. And then in a moment or two's time, to join in as we have our last song. Then we'll fellowship together with our friendship. We'll enjoy being together and our family time can begin. So Lord, we pray now that you'll be with us. Pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would rest on us, that as we bring you our prayers, as we connect together, we want to be in your presence. And we pray that will be a greater fruitfulness. There will be growth. 
of an ability to grow, a desire to grow in who we are in you, that your character will take root, that we will be yours. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's, let's pray together and let's worship God. Just for three or four minutes. Amen. Just sing away and let them join in.